0: AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH, solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded, spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Downside momentum accelerated in the bean market that pulled corn prices lower and discouraged an attempt at an upside recovery in the wheat market. Front month hogs caught a bid and strengthened the beef market turned into early week gains and live cattle futures.
1: Live from almost March's day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Chris Swift from Swift Trading Company, Right after the news, varsity Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Talk, Chip Lory.
0: All right. Thank hey, buddy. you, Davis. And welcome, welcome. to AgriTalk. Talk. Uh-huh. You know, i I was just thinking, as you said, the you know, the what is it? Almost March March's Eve? Day. Yeah. Al- almost March's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh March Eve, uh we mm-hmm. could we mm-hmm. could call it. Uh, what are you looking forward to the m- most in March? There's lots of stuff going on.
1: Ooh, you know, I have some personal anniversaries that I'm very excited about during okay, the month good. of March. Uh, good. Nev- good, Never mind those. Never mind. Okay, um, all right. You know, uh, and I'm predicting spring will arrive somewhere around the 20th. I okay.
0: Maybe the 21st?
1: I'm going out on a limb somewhere like in that the, area. Yeah, yep, yeah. 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 yep. In the okay. dead of night, and then we'll uh-huh. just sort of, you know, it'll suddenly here it be, is. be spring. Yeah.
0: It will be here. Love and it. I'm basing this purely
1: on what the groundhog predicted.
0: <laughs> yes, you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> or aren't I? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Robins showing up. They, they haven't gotten here yet. Okay. Uh, it'll probably be around, uh, you know what, they might be just a touch late based uh-huh. on the forecast that we've got right now. But, I mean, come on, who are we kidding? They show up around the 15th, 16th. Uh, of march up here in northeast iowa and then don't forget they got to get snowing on a couple of times before we wrap things
1: up now see i'm here at the southern outpost i've i've been dislodged okay i saw the first robin down here last week is that a thing are there robins down here there are yes okay i see she's nodding there are robins down here uh so they're making their way they're all right
0: they're close well they're close you know now we can actually track progress can't we We really can. Oh, the most important thing. Have you seen any turkey buzzards?
1: So far, no. Okay.
0: Well, let me know when they show.
1: There are those vultures that keep (laughs) circling around over the uh, the dumpster over at the diner. I don't know if those are turkey buzzards or not, but
0: okay they right. kind of a well, constant Do a little container. research into that. And let's find out. <laughs> I'll take my
1: 22 over to the diner and see what I come up with. <laughs>
0: uh, that's the easiest way to identify one, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's get to the news. What do you
1: got? Chip wheat futures just slightly lower today, but May soft red winter wheat futures again failed to hold on to early gains and closed below the opening range. That maintains the downside momentum that's been building since February 14. Hard red winter wheat saw similar price action and closed at the lowest level since January 10. The pressure on HRW came despite state crop condition reports revealed further deterioration in the hard red crop, Kansas. Just 19% of that crop in good to excellent condition down two points from the end of January. May hard red winter wheat futures were four and one quarter cents lower at 812 and three quarters. May soft red wheat down four and a half cents, 705 and a half. May spring week closed at eight sixty six and three quarters, down one and three quarter cents. Chip.
0: Yeah, that feels like an interruption in the downside momentum. The problem is, the last time that we had this kind of price action, mm-hmm. we actually had slightly higher closes. A couple of times uh, since uh, February fourteenth, that happened. This time, we had an interruption in the downside momentum and couldn't even close higher. Davis, this mm-hmm. feels tough. Ouch. Well, spillover
1: pressure from sharp losses in soybeans dragged corn prices to
0: double-digit
1: losses. Crop stress in Argentina and intensify, uh, is intensifying. Excuse me. Pro-farmer South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier from Soy and Corn Advisor lowered his Argentine corn crop estimate 2 million metric tons to 41 million. Stress on first crop corn in southern Brazil also lowered Dr. C.'s Brazilian corn crop 2 million metric tons to 121 million. May Corn Futures posted a fifth consecutive trading day with an open near-session highs and a close at or near-session lows chip. May Corn Futures traded to the lowest level since August 22. Chart Watchers put the next level of support in May Futures at the August 18 low of 6.14 and three-quarter. Today, May Corn Futures 13 and one-quarter cents lower 6.30 and one-quarter. July Corn down 11 and one-half, 6.22 and a quarter. December corn futures closed at five sixty nine and three quarters, down six and one quarter cents. Chip,
0: yeah, it was just the the losses in the bean market too much for the corn market to handle today. Well, after four consecutive sessions with a mid range open
1: and a low range close, May bean futures opened near the high of the day and closed just slightly above the session low. This acceleration of downside momentum pushed May beans through support at fifteen bucks and to the lowest level since January twenty five. Chart watchers put support at the January 25 low of 1476, which is closely backed by support at the 2023 low of 1472. Dr. Cordonier cut another 2 million metric tons from his Argentine bean crop estimate, dropping it to 32 million metric tons. Bean harvest in Brazil has been slightly delayed, but the weather forecast should allow for rapid harvest over the next two weeks. May beans 33 and 3 quarter cents lower 1479. July beans off 32 cents, 14.69 and a half. Novi beans, 13.47 and one quarter at the close, down 24 and three quarter cents. Dr. C now at 32 million metric tons of yeah. that RG bean crop chip.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there are some private estimates that are in the 29, 28 range. Yeah. So yeah. It, it feels like there there might be some additional downside risk on the crop. It feels like there's downside additional downside risk in the market. But today did feel a bit like a rip-the-band-aid-off kind of day rather than just, you know, very slowly pulling. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, well, you know what? Let's find out from Joe Vaclavik, Standard Grain. How you doing, Joe?
2: I'm good. How are you, Chip?
0: Doing real well. Is, was this end-of-the-month stuff, or is there something bigger?
2: Um, It may have something to do with end-of-the-month. I read the newswires, and they said that it was fund-selling, uh, which I would generally agree with. I would assume that... Uh, large money managers, fund managers are still along the row crop markets. We don't know that yeah. for sure because we haven't seen a CFTC report that's that's up to date um, in a long time. But in any case, uh, the soybean market broke through some technical support that was really obvious. It was kind of similar to what the corn market did like late last week. We had these these uptrend lines on the charts. We busted them in corn last week and saw the selling accelerate. And we did the same thing in soybeans just today and saw the selling accelerate. So somebody wants out, and who that somebody is, we'll never know. Um, it's it's some sort of large money manager because I I haven't really seen like like a reason for this. Maybe it's yeah. maybe it was those ag outlook form numbers that sparked it in corn, and now it's carrying over into beans. But I mean, I don't see like one specific news item right here and now to to necessitate or warrant a uh, thirty-three cent loss in May bean futures. You know. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah, it happened in SRW weed. It happened in corn. And if we're yep, going to look yep. at, at SRW and corn as an indicator of about what might happen in beans, today wasn't the end of it, was it?
2: No, I mean the wheat market's been especially ugly. I think we were what seventeen month lows in SRW wheat on a continuation basis this week. Um, yeah, I mean there's the, the wheat. I understand why it's bearish. I, I still feel like you could absolutely have a story in the row crops. You know, I, I get that those USDA numbers were bearish, but they're all smoke and mirrors. USDA doesn't know what the yeah. corn yield's going to be. They don't know what the demand numbers are going to be. It's it's just a projection, and maybe this is just a market that was starved for news. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, it it feels a bit that way right now, Joe. And and the news that we do get is kind of stale coming out of Argentina. So yeah,
2: yeah, the Argentina stuff's old. I mean, it's harvest season in Brazil.
0: I mean, who would have figured? Yep. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, who now, would have figured I
2: mean, right. that? Yep. Yeah, Joe,
0: thanks, man. Joe Acklovic, Standard Grain. We're talking beef and cattle next with Chris Swift with Trading Company right here on Agritalk.
3: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: We've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Don't you own eater if that ever really happened or not?
0: I got to own either, you know, and
1: I'm going to go past own eater to to uh, yeah. speculation that, yeah, yeah, it
0: it did. It, it had absolutely to had, to had to have. If I was
1: Annie Oakley, I would wear pants, but also I totally would have done that.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wait, did she wear pants? <laughs> I <laughs> you, I did. I, no, I don't. Well, yeah, I. I'm gonna you go know, to I don't know. I'm gonna I don't know. It, Yeah, you're gonna have to check it I'll out. I get the answer. You know, let me hit All these right.
1: closes first. Yeah. So we'll get okay. To Chris do it. Swift. Uh, yep. I got December cotton forty three points lower eighty three eighty three. Uh, live cattle futures supported by aggressive short covering in February futures. Feeder cattle futures supported by sharp losses in corn. April fats were fifty cents higher one sixty five forty seven and a half. April feeder futures up eighty five to one ninety five oh seven and one half. And front month hogs spiked support at yesterday's low, but then recovered to close above the opening range. I like that. April hogs, 45 cents higher, 85.17 and a half. June was down 37 and one half cents, a 172 and a half. Chip?
0: Yeah, the February contract, the front month that we stopped reporting here, you know, at the start of the month, uh, the February contract was up $2.50 today, 167.50. Okay, Uh, opened on-session lows, which was below yesterday's low, closed on-session highs at 167.50, which is a new contract high close for the February. That is a heck of a last trading day for the February contract, no doubt about it. All right, let's get Chris's take on everything that's going on. Chris Swift. Swift Trading Company is our guest analyst today. Chris, it's good to talk with you again. How are you?
5: Always a pleasure, Chip. I'm doing great. Thank you.
0: Good, good, good. I'm glad you're here. This is a a really good timing to to get you in here and, and get your thoughts on what's going on in this cattle market. And if we're going to talk about what's happening in the cattle market, we really need to start with the beef market, don't we, Chris?
5: I believe so, and we've seen some natural uh, factors to take place over the last several months and actually a year where we've had declining numbers coming in. We've had the drought that have uh, had a lot of cows pushed off to slaughter, but most recently, the last three or four weeks, we've had these big winter storms up north that has pulled a lot of carcass weight off. So we know that the slaughter rates has been lowered because we have fewer cattle on feed, but now we've got a pretty dramatic drop in carcass weights that started showing up last week. Those will probably continue for the next three to four weeks. So we could have a really big increase in boxes over the next couple of weeks and maybe even a flurry more in the fat cattle market simply because of just that issue right there where we were already slated to have lower slaughter pace, but now we've got a declining carcass weight that's kind of impacting a little bit more.
0: Okay. You you know, I'm sure that some people are saying – Come on, a decline in carcass weight. How much of a difference can that make? In a market where a 1% move in supply or demand has a big time impact on price, carcass weight matters, doesn't it?
5: Oh, absolutely it does. We'll simply just take a a week's kill at 625,000 head, that's 625,000 pounds for every pound that that carcass increases or decreases, so it makes a significant difference, and although we have been trading above the previous five-year average, and even year-over-year for months uh, in, in the past, just this last 60 days, probably 90 days, when we've seen these big storms come in, that it's really dropped off dramatically. Now, in the next three to four weeks, as the weather improves, you'll start to see that carcass weight gain back a little bit again, and you'll see much more normal slaughter uh, carcass weights than what you are right now.
0: Yeah. And, and the other reason or another reason that uh, the carcass weights are as important as they are is the demand for ground beef right now, the demand for trim. it It's uh, it's outstanding and really, if you're taking weight off the, the animal, you're really taking weight off the, the trim and the cart, and that, the hamburger grind, right?
5: Well, and that's true. And we need all the white meat that we can get because we import a tremendous amount of the lean cut from, from South America. And let's point out what that probably means, that heavy hamburger meat demand is probably the consumer still having enough money to be able to afford beef, but having to go to the lesser cuts up. So we may see some flurries when we get into holiday activity, where the rib may perform better. But going forward for the next several weeks, we're not going to have a whole lot to look forward to, except maybe just that grind.
0: Okay, a couple of things that I've noticed at the meat case: uh, the uh, th- there's there's still the uh, the good selection of t-bones and, and ribeyes, but they are also st- the the eight ounce ribeye has made a comeback. It looks good. I mean, it looks like a cho- it's probably a choice grading cut of meat, but that eight ounce at a flat price rather than the ribeye at seventeen sixteen ninety nine a pound or something like that is making a, a a bit of a comeback in some of the meat cases. At least the ones that I've checked, and I've been in a couple a few different areas to check it out. So it that is kind of a tactic of that butcher to keep the demand coming, right?
5: Well, it, it's that, but it's, it's rationing. That's what we're really talking about doing is we're rationing okay. enough beef now. We have a shorter supply. We're rationing it because the price is going up. And so therefore the consumer, we still wanna be able to push that out and and we're gonna find creative ways to do that. And th- those are one of the creative ways to go about marketing that product to the consumer. They are still able to have the product, but yet they're just eating lesser qual- quantities of it. And I think it goes back again to the consumer right now faced with two dire impacts of high inflation on one side and recessionary threats on the other. And they're just kind of caught in the middle right now. So anything that the industry can do to help promote that beef demand out there is going to be well needed because price is going to be a a, a factor against it going forward.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, Um, are we are we maintaining the uh, choice percentage, the prime percentage, or is that starting to slip away on us?
5: No, we're still doing it. We're still feeding the cattle up big. Um, okay. It's come to find out, our average car, our average uh, slaughter weight now is around fifteen ten. Somewhere above that 1500 and forever, most of my career was between 1350 and 14 was a big animal. And then two or three years ago, when, when we had the, uh, the Holcomb fire and a couple of things that backed cattle up that made them grow to the 1450 and 1500. And we heard all of the, uh, packing industry complain that that was too big of an animal. Fast forward to today, that's what they want. Because again, we're having to circumvent the lower number of animals, so we're going to try to grow the carcasses bigger. And we even have the genetics now to be able to do that without wasting a lot of energy from the feed sources to put that red meat on it versus white meat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I remember back in the 80s, I had a show steer that uh, went a little crazy on me and got locked up for (laughs) for a while and... And I just kept pouring the feed to him, pouring the feed to him, pouring the feed to him. By the time I loaded him on the trailer, he weighed like seventeen hundred pounds, and everybody said that was the biggest steer <laughs> that they'd ever seen. Now it's not unusual for a for a semi load of seventeen hundred pounders to, 1, pounder to just go rolling into a processing plant. It's just amazing the genetics that uh, that that we've got in the feed yard right now, Chris. It's it's really something, and
5: that'll get um, even better as we continue to cross-breed with dairy. Well, we know how big a Holstein carcass can get. And and that seems to be a very, uh, objective way to go about increasing the amount of beef out there is to tap into the dairy industry, the dairy industry. When, when that cow's dead, it's beef too. So I think that that's what they look at is the crossbreeding of it. You can get a bigger carcass frame out of it, still get the quality of beef that you're looking for out of it to be able to service the commercial needs out there. So again circumvent. That's a word that the industry probably is going to take a hold of in every way that they possibly can to keep margin to every single aspect of it that needs that margin out there. And and just know there's what seven, eight different sectors out there that are trying to make money off that very first cap that hits the ground. Yeah.
0: Boy, that's a good way of putting it. You know, how many pieces are in that pie? How many How much of a difference is beef from dairy, those crossbred calves? How much of a supply is that putting into the market?
5: Um, It's keeping the supply from dwindling is what it is. I don't know that it will ever go to increase it but it keeps it from dwindling down. And, and to be honest, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, uh, I, don't I know thought anybody you were fixing to ask me about quality of it, you know, and, and I don't know that you could tell the difference. I, I'm sure there are some people, and when you get into the white tablecloth versus anything that's middle of the road, no doubt there's going to be a difference in it. But when we try to say that, uh, what I did find out is that from the USDA standpoint, there's not a difference in Holstein cows um, and uh, or a Holstein mix than there is to a beef cow. They're right. all considered beef. It is If it is not a milking, lactating cow, it's considered beef.
0: That's right. That's right. We can talk a little bit more about that when we come back. We are in the middle of a conversation that is flying by with Chris Swift from Swift Trading Company. Uh, we're going to take this over to the cattle market. We'll do that next right here on AgriTalk.
1: Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer, Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his Brazilian corn crop estimate, noting 20 to 30% of the safrina corn will be planted late or extra late. Mexico's economy ministry said yesterday the United States' disagreement with Mexico over its plan to limit imports of GMO corn is, quote, politically motivated. The U.S. has threatened a trade dispute panel. Ukraine has sent an appeal to the UN and Turkey to begin negotiations on extending the grain export deal but so far no response. The Chinese currency's rise inside Russia deepens ties between the two countries which have grown closer amid shared discontent with the West. The USDA confirmed highly pathogenic avian influenza in a commercial turkey flock in Illinois. Meanwhile another case of ASF confirmed in Germany news of notice taken from the pages of pro farmer get more at try profarmer.com oh. opinions expressed on agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of farm journal broadcasting affiliate stations or sponsors we don't make the news we render it agritalk for the ladies talking cattle now on agritalk now mama
0: <laughs> wow! <laughs> Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. We Hello. are in the, we are in the middle of a conversation with Chris Swift. Uh, before we get back to Chris, Davis, go ahead and huh? recap where the markets closed.
1: <laughs> well, Chip, May hard red winter wheat futures four and one quarter cents lower at eight twelve and three quarters. May soft red wheat down four and one half cents to seven oh five and one half. May corn futures were thirteen and one quarter cents lower today, six thirty and one quarter on the close. December corn futures closed at five sixty nine and three quarters, down six and one quarter cents. May soybean futures thirty three and three quarter cents lower, fourteen seventy nine. November beans closed at thirteen forty seven and one quarter, down twenty-four and three quarter cents. December cotton forty three points lower, eighty three eighty three. On your live stocks, April live cattle were 50 cents higher today, 165.47 and one half. April feeders up 85 cents to 195.07 and one half. And April lean hog futures, 45 cents higher, 85.17 and one half. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Chris Swift is our guest analyst today. Chris is with the Swift Trading Company. Um Chris we we've spent a lot of time talking about the demand and the supply of beef that's coming to the market. Let's talk about the influence of that beef market. And you know what one, one one thing first, one thing first. The select choice spread, it's down to $8.79 as of this morning. It, that's it's narrowing up at, at a at a you know, about four bucks in the last month or last week, something like that. Is that telling us anything?
5: Um, I'm not real sure, Chip. That fluctuates so much back and yeah. forth and, and week over week that I, I really don't know that I would say that that's a determining factor one way or the other. Okay. The, the thing that, that really stands out is the number of cattle we've been able to keep on feed. We ever since June of 22, we reached our lowest point of 11.3 million head on feed. Ever since then, we brought it up to between 11.5 and 11.7. And for seven months in a row, including the last January on feed report we got, showed 11.7 million head on feed. So we have contracted down about a million head on feed. We've contracted down our packing capacity. And and again, we're, we're trying to ration out the number of cattle because if you kill them all at one time, A, you have no place to put them. So everything has to slow down. And that's what we're seeing in, in the cattle industry, in, in the beef industry and everything, is we're all slowing down just a little bit, consumption included and although the demand right now is still relatively good due to the increased employment, Uh, we've seen a lot of the um, uh, subsidy funds still out there uh, helping uh, consumers out. As those dry up, and we think that we'll start to see some of the employment dry up as well into the spring of the year, then we kind of say, okay, maybe some of the beef demand slows just a little bit, and along with the contractions that we've seen in production, it kind of softens the blow to the cattle price. Okay.
0: All right. Um, Comment that you made in the last segment about as soon as that calf hits the ground, there's about eight different uh, segments that are going to try to make some money on that calf. How are the Packers doing right now?
5: Uh, Packers still got wide margins, so they are able to – slow the slaughter pace, widening the gap to the beef market, to the retailer. And I believe the next step out there, since we saw this $35, $38 increase in boxes over the last two weeks, we see, does the retailer, the uh, Costco, the Kroger store, the Albertsons, do they go in and do they absorb that increase in price, lower their margin, or do they push that out to the consumer at the higher price and see what they do? And and we don't know that answer yet, but I think I would lean towards whichever makes the company the most money, not necessarily benefiting the consumer. But most of those big retail companies are publicly traded and they're going to do what's best for the company. So if that means allowing the consumer to eat that increase in price, then that's what they're going to do. If they believe they can keep the consumer and keep the volume going at the same level, then they may eat the margin off of it. But more likely than not, it may be a 50-50, I'll eat some of the margin, but I'm going to pass some of that margin along to the consumer as well.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now, uh, last Monday I had a conversation with Lee Scholz from Iowa State University and uh when he started talking about the cost of gain on these animals he was you know it, it was almost scary so how are the feed yards doing
5: they're going to improve greatly now that corn started to back up uh, okay. today yesterday we saw big moves lower in feed costs we've not seen diesel fuel any higher it hasn't gone down much but it's no higher so we think that the input costs are going to go down for the cattle feeder Probably going forward from this time on, you might see a couple of blips sometime either right at planting or just right after planting where we see some weather impact the grains. But I can't imagine them impacting them by a great deal unless we either continue with the drought or something different has
0: changed. Okay. Um, I look at that feeder cattle market and, and you get the March here, just call it a, a buck 90. You go out to the September, it's at 215.35 cow calf guy has their their costs are high i know as well but there's got to be some meat on the bone in that feeder cattle market isn't there
5: we believe that there is it's yeah. arb trading we're buying as many lightweight cattle as we can right now and we're going to sell them on the board you know in the fall of the year put two three hundred pounds on them as much as we can so that is what is pretty much taking place in that but note okay. that that there's very few contracts that aren't already at a historical high, especially the May contract at 199.70 and today's high 199.90. That's a new historical high for that May contract by over $10. 2014 the high was 189 so we're already making history in some contract months for it and even in the fat cattle market alone we're at 172.50 for the feb of 24 I think 171.90 something was the previous all-time high so when cattlemen are, are talking we want really high cattle prices they're here the high cattle prices are here. Now the cattleman is going to have to dig really deep and find out, how can I make margin with all of the price levels elevated already? We look right. to try to buy something relatively inexpensive, put a gain onto it, and then sell it at a higher price. All those prices are already higher, and that, that's going to be very, very difficult because we hadn't even begun expansion. We're right. probably not going to expand any this year at all. We don't have any hay production guaranteed yet. We don't have pasture conditions healed just yet. We're 12, 14 months away from any kind of extensive expansion. And then what are we asking the cow calf producer to do? (laughs) Expand at the absolute high end of the price market. Yep. So this is yeah. not going to be an easy situation to get out of over the next probably three to five years. And and my prediction of anything is in five years, we will finally have been able to sustain the cow herd that we have. Okay. I you don't know, think we're we, going to grow. I think it'll be years before we ever grow again.
0: But if we ever decide to to, to take some females – out of the feed yard and save them back for heifers uh or to to build the cow herd it, the reduction in beef production chris is is boy that's going to challenge the demand side of things won't it
2: it, it will
5: be. I, I wish I was studious enough to have the numbers, the actual numbers from the 2010 through 2015 time frame to see what kind of beef we were actually producing then and then compare it to this time. And again, I think a couple of things are really different this, this time than the last expansion. Before, we had money being poured into the economy. Today, we're having money being sucked out as fast yes. as it possibly can. Interest rates are soaring. Every single day. New lows in the two-year note this week. So we are seeing short-term rates skyrocket out there. Every aspect of the economy is different from employment to, yep. to the amount of money that is being subsidized to government intervention. is all completely different than it was in the 2014 timeframe. And in all honesty, that was a long rally. That was a four- or five-year rally. This one's only been two years so yeah. far. And right. already at the previous historic highs. So, do we think they're going to double in price when no other commodity is even close to doing such, or we just really don't know yet?
0: Yeah, man. Oh, man. How do you mark? How do you market? How do you manage the risk in this market right now?
5: What we are doing is we are marketing feeder cattle with the futures premium. And we are doing in multiple different ways that may or may not increase the risk of loss to the consumer, all depending upon what their risk tolerance is. And if we do not get any break in the market at all and it just continues to go up, our clients will make the basis spread. And that's all they'll make. They may not make another penny above the basis spread, but they'll make the basis spread. If the market at some point in time has a negative reaction and breaks like it did last year from end of February to the 1st of May by $28, $25, excuse me, by $25, then maybe we have an opportunity to adjust or shift in our hedges just a little bit. We can redo some things that we've done that might look a little better now that we've had some variations in price movement.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. Chris, you, boy, these conversations, if, you, if you're if you a cattleman and not listening to uh, these conversations that we have with Chris Swift, you're not doing it right because these are very, very helpful. They get you thinking. They give you some ideas on how to manage risk and, and get you thinking about what's really moving these markets. It's good stuff, man. Thank you so much for making time for us.
5: Always a pleasure, Chip. I certainly do appreciate it.
0: You bet, you bet. That is Chris Swift, Swift Trading Company. All right, Davis and I are gonna wrap up today's agri talk when we come back right after these messages.
4: My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car. St- dear with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
3: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: Join the conversation on Agritalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here with Chip Flory. Great conversation with Chris Swift of Swift Trading Company just then. Did a little research, Chip. Okay. Was unable to find a single picture on Google Images of Annie Oakley in pants. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I did find a picture of. Okay. Of course, uh, famous uh, sharpshooter from uh, from yep. Ohio from Ohio. Uh, I did find a picture of her. She's got a dog, looks like some kind of retriever of some kind, sitting up on a stool, with an apple on its head, and she's pointing <laughs> oh, a rifle that, at the animal.
0: That poor dog.
1: Now I gotta wonder, you know, <laughs> when when you first conceive of a trick shot like that. <laughs> I mean, the smart money uses the neighbor's dog to try (laughs) it the first time, wouldn't you think?
0: I would certainly think, yes. You don't use
1: your own dog for your sharpshooter tricks.
0: No. Heck no. He's
1: earned more more than that. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Apparently, Annie Oakley met her husband in a uh, shooting contest. Yep. She was 15 when a yeah. Cincinnati hotel keeper set up a shooting contest between her and well-known shooter Frank Butler. And this is where it gets interesting. We were talking about taking down uh, one of them uh, vultures yeah. above, <laughs> above the cafe's dumpster that won't go yeah. away. Right. She beat the guy, striking 25 out of 25 released birds. They were using pigeons. Okay. So she takes down 25 straight pigeons with a twenty two. With a twenty two? Reportedly, her preferred weapon was a Marlin Model 1891 22 yep. caliber sliding rifle.
0: Yep. Lever action. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: later, she and Wild Bill, of course, uh, when they were do- doing their shows, had switched to shotguns. Okay. Um, with, with real tight groups on them. They were a uh, smooth bore. Um, okay. Just for safety. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there were complaints from neighboring businesses that their windows had been shot out mysteriously <laughs> yeah. when these two jokers had come to town putting on their shows, so they Sheep. switched to shotguns.
0: Sheep are laying dead out in the pasture. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's a, there's a little Annie Oakley. But it but All right. well, thank always you. did it in a dress. Always with the dress. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good for her. Yeah. Annie Oakley.
0: Yeah.
1: Chris Swift. Um he was talking about the rally in twenty fourteen. Um, yeah, everything. It. He was. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of anything to dispute him on this. No. Everything economically is different right. now yeah. than it was then. That seems very significant.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, zero interest rates. Yep. Uh, quantitative easing, pumping money into the economy. Doing what it could, you know, the Fed was doing what it could to to build up economic activity, and now the tightening uh, of money supply, the higher interest rates, it 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 makes for a completely different ball game, which is why something that he said really hit me. Really hit me," he said. "You know, cattlemen are looking for these really high cattle prices. Well, cattle prices are really high, and mm-hmm. especially when you consider how the economy is this much is so different than what it was the last time we had prices near these levels, not at these levels. Uh, the February contract, uh, uh, the twenty-four February twenty-four contract, already at an all-time high." I mean it just uh for that contract. For mm-hmm. that contract. It's that's pretty amazing stuff, man. That and did, that uh is uh yeah, cattle prices are high.
1: Did I hear him say new lows in the two year note? Was that last week or this week? Is that what he said? Uh right? yeah. In did the, I hear that right? Two
0: year note futures but okay. the but the interest rate is is higher.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: help
1: help me with this here. He he said uh, Packers' favorite word is going to be circumvent Yeah, coming up here. What did he mean by that? I
0: think what he means by that is Packers are going to be looking to replace lost feed yard supplies or, you know, traditional beef, I mm-hmm. guess I would say. Mm-hmm they're going to be looking to circumvent the interruption in the supply by looking at other sources of supply. So they're going to be looking. One thing that he didn't come right out and say is they're going to be looking at the import market more. We got to oh. keep that in mind. huh. Um, but the other thing is the, the beef that is now available from the dairy industry, mm-hmm. the, those, those, I'm not saying that Holstein steers have never been around, but this, the, the breeding programs that they have in place now that bring beef genetics into the mix that can guarantee that you're going to drop a, that, that those cows that you're not trying to get a heifer out of to, to replace her eventually, but mm-hmm. that those cows are going to drop a bull calf so that you can put a, a, a beef steer in the feedlot I think it's just, you know, it's fascinating to me. It, it it was November of 21 that I hosted a panel at the Milk Business Conference out in Vegas with some of these guys that, or some of these dairies that were were switching over and doing the beef cross, or in some cases, in the case of a Jersey dairy, Mm-hmm. In California, if they weren't breeding that cow for a replacement heifer, they were doing embryo transplants on it and putting a purebred Angus calf in there. Huh. Seriously. How do you like that? An embryo transplant so that when that cow drops the calf, it's 100% beef that, that they could sell into a premium market is is the agreement that they had with a with a regional packer. I, it's just fascinating to me how i can add to supplies out there it really mm-hmm. is yeah. um, real real quick yeah, go on. Uh, some go beef on. news yeah ncba national cattlemen's beef association this afternoon is again called for an immediate halt to brazilian beef imports we talked with ethan lane Ooh. about it last week yeah. that that bse discovery in brazil it took them 35 days Whoa. to report it it's Whoa. supposed to take Within 24 hours. That's unacceptable. It took them 35 days. It is. Yeah. Come back tomorrow morning. Brian Keel, Farmers
2: for Free Trade and a Farmer farm right here on Agritalk.